Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Paula. Hello, Mr. Roberts. How are you today? I am swell. Swell. (laughs) I haven't heard you use that adjective in a while. Actually, it's a word you used to use quite a bit. I used to. (laughs) Have you not been swell in years? (laughs) I have been swell. I just, I guess I've thought of other positive adjectives. Such as? Wonderful. (laughs) Marvelous. Amazing. So you're better than swell. Oh, much better than swell. (laughs) It's good to know. Are you sure you want to stick with swell? Of of swell. Swell, (laughs) yeah. It's kind of late at night, so maybe swell is the best we're going to get. (laughs) You know what we haven't talked about in a while? (laughs) I don't want to go there. Okay, we won't go there then. Go ahead. Go ahead and brag just a little bit. (laughs) I don't even know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. What? I'm not going there. (laughs) Skip bow. I do it. You have been on a tear. It's funny how now that you're not ahead in tally marks, you just don't bring it up on this podcast any longer. So I think you've been studying and and coming up with strategery. (laughs) Oh boy, George W. vocabulary there. (laughs) The tides have turned on Skip Bow. (laughs) Yes, they have. We'll just leave it at that. That's okay. I still enjoy it, even when you spank me almost every time now. I think you won one this week. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I have won one this week. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. So moving along to a less painful topic, something interesting happened on my run this week. What was that? Well, you know, I run early, so it was five in the morning and I had met some friends here at my house and I went to start my watch and it said something about a system update and so I thought oh no my watch isn't going to work but it immediately loaded the workout as is an awesome benefit of being coached by you my workouts automatically load to my watch anyway I didn't think another thing about it but when I finished my run and went to save my run a scale came up and said, what was your effort today? And it had a scale, one, two, three, four, five, and each one of those numbers had wording associated with it, like very light, light, moderate. So right there on my watch, I could rate my effort. And then as soon as I did that, it then had me rate how it felt, like frowny face up to super happy face. That sounds exactly like the feedback that Train Peaks wants you to enter. Yeah, so when I saw that, I was excited because I thought most of our athletes are very good about commenting and adding that information, and it's so helpful for us when they do that. But we have a few that tend to forget to add their comments and at least do that portion of it. So I was excited 
to check in training peaks to see if that data transferred from my watch to training peaks, but it didn't. Oh, <laughs> maybe a future update. But it was at least a jogging of my memory to say, oh, well, I should probably go in training peaks and enter that for my coach. That's a nice feature. I like it. But yeah, we often get positive feedback on the structured workouts that we create in training peaks that automatically go to the watch. It's it's great for the athlete. It's also great for the coach to know that all they have to do is select do workout and, and listen, follow the instructions. Listen for the beeps. Yeah. And I tested this for you this week, but I wore my Apple AirPods with my Garmin 245 music. Yeah. And it would give specific instructions, which was awesome. It would tell me if my pace was too high or too low. It's like having a coach in your ear. It is. And if I toggled through my screens, it would have the specific comments you would have on each step of the workout. So I could read what I was supposed to be doing or what effort. And sometimes you just put something silly in there that makes me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's pretty cool that we're able to interact with our athletes in a technology way, when even when we're not able to be out running with them. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about advertising slogans. So you've heard of, where's the beef? Wendy's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you think of any other popular slogans, either current or from way back in the past? We'll make more. That sounds familiar. <laughs> but who is that? Doritos. Oh, I made that reference. I was at a, this was before I retired from the school system, and I made a reference to my team once because they thought we were going to run out of something, and I just kind of flippantly said, we'll make more. They were too young to get the reference, so I guess that's why I retired. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had a Dorito in a long time. Oh, yeah, me either. Hmm. That does sound good, though. <laughs> well, do you remember the slogan, sometimes you feel like a nut? Sometimes you don't. Yeah, that's uh, Hershey's Almond Joy and Mounds Candy Bars. Mm-hmm. And just do it. Nike. Yeah. How about mmm, good? Campbell's. Oh, like you're on your A game. Melts in your mouth, not in your hand. M&M's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. The breakfast of champions. Wheaties. You got it. <laughs> they're great. Oh, that's, uh, they're not good for you. <laughs> it's Tony the Titan. Oh, Frosted Flakes. I grew up on Frosted Flakes. Oh, my goodness. A long time ago. But the slogan I wanted to talk about today is, it's hot, Don. Okay, if um, someone is not local to Owensboro, they probably have never even heard that slogan. Well, I was going to explain it. So... People... Wait, wait, you need to do it again. It's hot, Don. You can say that again. It's hot, Don. You can say that again. (laughs) (laughs) So for those in the Owensboro area, surrounding areas, a local car dealership and some friends of ours, Don Moore and John Moore and Caitlin Moore, they came up with a slogan a long time ago now, and it's just been kind of catchy. I guess they were having a, a summertime tent sale, and that's really what they said. So the reason I was thinking about the slogan, It's Hot Don, is I wanted to talk today about handling the heat. 
And some of our athletes have commented in training peaks how the heat has impacted their workouts. And so you and I, we've been offering some suggestions to help them. Yeah, I just said, if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what is it our uh, former pastor said at church one day that really caught us off guard? Um, Suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he said, uh, suck it up, cupcake. Because I had heard suck it up, buttercup before, but he kept saying his coach told him to suck it up, cupcake. <laughs> All right, but that's not the response we've given our athletes, just to make that clear. No. Because the heat is certainly something you have to take seriously. I don't know if you remember seeing this. It was a long time ago, and I didn't remember the details, so I did a little research. But back in 1982... There was a lady by the name of Julie Moss who struggled with the heat in the Ironman World Championship in Hawaii. As she was running down Alihi Drive towards the finish, she was staggering. She was falling over. She was picking herself back up, just doing anything she could to keep moving. And so I went back and watched that video. And I mean, it's just it's just almost hard to watch imagining being in that situation some of it could have been nutrition but i suspect most of it was heat well your first iron man in louisville when it used to be held in august the heat index was extremely high and there was a lady who was finishing this just exactly what you were talking about i mean she clearly was not even in her right mind as she was coming into that finish shoot yeah and i just wonder why is it that the medical staff, why don't they intervene when somebody is in that state? It's got to be dangerous. Yeah, I think they don't intervene because they get that that close. If someone helps them, I think they are no longer qualified to finish the race and nobody wants to take that away from somebody in the finish shoot. Yeah, but it's better than <laughs> better than uh, being seriously injured. True. That's just my thoughts. But True. And then in 1997, there were two ladies in the Ironman World Championship, Sean Welch and Wendy Ingram. I went back and watched that video, and it was a very similar situation. Sean Welch was on a Leahy Drive trying to get to the finish line, and she's staggering, and she's falling, and she keeps looking back, and she knows somebody's coming up from behind. And with maybe 100 yards to go to the finish line, another lady, Wendy Ingram, comes past, and she's not in her right mind either. I mean, it's just the most awkward, stumbling kind of run that you can imagine. And then with about 10 yards to go to the finish, they both collapse, and Wendy Ingram crawls across the finish line, and then... John Welch also crawled across the finish line. Then they carried them both away. And then in the more recent scenario, we had some friends who went to Boston for the marathon in April of 2017, and it was a hot day. It was in the 70s, and a lot of people ended up with heat exhaustion and required medical attention either on the course or after the course. There's a story about one athlete who finished 
whose body temperature was 108.8. I mean, that'll kill you. So fortunately, they had a, a lot of ice baths set up, I guess expecting a lot of issues with the temperature being in the 70s. And you might think the 70s aren't really that hot, but it just depends on where you came from and what you were training in. And just one more example. Are you familiar with the Brownlee brothers, the British superstar triathletes? I am. Well, there's a race where the Brownlee brothers were competing, and the younger brother, Johnny, was winning this triathlon. And he experienced the same thing that these ladies were experiencing even though it was a much shorter race, but he was staggering and he was falling down and he had a big lead. And his brother comes running up behind in second place and his brother picks him up, puts his arm around him, and they start running together. And Alistair is you know, basically carrying him, but, but Johnny's still holding some of his weight. And a third place runner ends up passing them both and winning the race. And just before... Alistair and Johnny get to the finish line. Alistair pushes Johnny across the line so that he'll get second place, and then Alistair gets third. I was just recently reading an article, too. I should have paid more attention had I known this was going to be the topic, but this just recently happened that a guy was struggling at the very end, and another competitor came up behind him and could have beat him but didn't want to win that way, and they weren't related. So he just stopped and checked on the guy and helped him and made sure that guy earned his first place. Wow. Because he said, that's not how he wanted to win. Hmm. I'll have to look that up, see who that was. I thought it was pretty good sportsmanship. Very good sportsmanship. But the heat index where Johnny Brownlee struggled was around 101. That's warm. It is warm. So we often think of the temperature being what causes the most discomfort when it's hot outside, but it's really a combination of the temperature and the humidity. And you put those two together and you get your heat index. And if the temperature is 60 degrees or below, the humidity really doesn't make a lot of difference. But if the temperature outside is 80 degrees and the humidity is 90%, which is pretty high, then the heat index is 86. But if the temperature outside is 90 degrees, and the humidity is 90%, then the heat index is 122. Wow. So it, it's a massive jump. It grows. doesn't grow linearly. It grows by some other factor. That's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. I remember when we were coaching high school and middle school cross country, which is in the, the hot part of the summer and the hot part of the fall, we would always have to take the, the heat index reading before practice and make appropriate accommodations for the athletes if it was too hot. Yes, we did. You got to play it safe. But anytime the temperature is higher than what you're used to, you need to be careful. And anytime the heat index is above 90, be extra careful. We've talked about before on our podcast how important it is to prepare for your races. And we like to have athletes fill out a race plan, a written race plan, so that we can review it, so they can review it. We don't want to miss any detail, and then you can practice and practice and fine-tune. Well, if you're going to be training or racing in the heat, you need to be prepared. It takes 
four or five days of consecutive exposure to the heat to acclimate. And OSHA recommends that if you're working in the heat, which I think it would apply to training in the heat as well, that you start off at around 20% of your normal activity if it's going to be hot. And then the next day you could add another 20% and the next day another 20%. So by the fifth day, you're at your normal level of work or normal level of activity. But you always want to be careful, err on the side of caution, and just listen to your body so that you don't get hurt. Heat illness is a real thing. So I've raced in several hot races and I took a lot of measures to prepare for those because I did not want to be one of those people that was staggering across the finish line. I did not want you to be one of those people. No. (laughs) No. I think the heat is something that when you're training for a spring marathon or half or a spring triathlon, you don't think about training in the heat, but then all of a sudden on race day, you have a hot day even after you've trained all winter. Yeah, and that's what happened in Boston in 2017. Mm-hmm. People trained throughout the, the winter and just an unusually warm day in Boston. So the nice thing about a fall marathon, if it ends up being, or a fall triathlon, if it ends up being a hot day, normally the athlete has trained and acclimated more naturally to the heat than maybe some of the measures you would need to think about if you're doing a spring race and aren't sure. Yeah, it's kind of like training at altitude. If you're training in the heat and then you are racing in a cooler temperature, you've got the adaptations that you gained while training in the heat, just like if you come down from a mountain to do your races, you're gonna retain those benefits for a while. You're gonna perform better if you race in a cooler environment than what you trained in. Exactly. So for me, I consider myself extremely cold natured and I don't know how that plays into all of this, but right now, while our athletes who train in the afternoon are commenting on how hot they are, I'm still bundling up in the morning when I go for my run. But where we live, it can be a good 30, 35 degree swing from 5 a.m. when I start my run to 4 p.m. when they start their run. Yeah. So I was thinking about, you know, how do people adapt to running these really hot races? So think about the the Badwater 135 out in Death Valley. That sounds bad. The temperature can get to 130 degrees. The temperature without the heat index? I think the humid. I don't think there's any humidity out there. Oh. It's just dry. It's true. But you remember when we took a, a national park road trip with the family and went through Death Valley? I remember that well. <laughs> it was just a very barren place, and we're just driving along through what was called Death Valley and. There's a little parking lot, and there may have been one or two other cars there. It was deserted. Yeah. And Evidently, nobody goes to Death Valley in the heat of the summer, except for us. So we pull off into the <laughs> parking lot, and there are sand dunes, like I would envision being in the Sahara Desert. And we get out of the car, and there's a sign posted 
that says don't walk on the sand after 10 o'clock in the morning because of the dangers of the heat and it was really hot it was before 10. yeah it, it was it was hot but it was uh it was different i could not imagine running in that kind of weather i think there's a marathon that runs through death valley you would have to prepare yourself to be able to keep your core body temperature down in those extreme conditions for sure i have witnessed you doing some odd things to prepare for heat races hot races well, what do you remember and if i think of any others i'll add them one thing i remember is a lot of times when you're preparing for kona and maybe even for Ironman Louisville when it was in August, you would get in the sauna after your swims. And another thing is instead of getting up in the morning and running when it's a little bit cooler and the sun's not blazing, you would wait until after work and run in the blazing sun. And sometimes, even under those conditions, you layered on clothing. And yeah. I guess you did that because the temperatures here weren't as warm as the temperatures were going to be in Hawaii. So you layered on clothes to make it seem warmer? That was my intention. I wanted to be comfortable in a really hot scenario. And then hopefully it would be less hot and I would feel pretty good. Which temperature-wise, I did feel pretty good out in Hawaii most unusual thing I remember you doing, and I thought it was a little creepy, is you came home from Walmart one day with baby tights. Yes, I did. Like little thick pantyhose that babies wear. Yeah, I got a three-pack of white, pink, and black. <laughs> and I'm like, honey, why'd you buy baby pantyhose? I had this idea that... Baby pantyhose. And I'm Probably pretty sure this is an original Dean Roberts idea. I didn't get it from anybody else. It's a great idea, so there are probably other people that have thought of it. But my strategy was, if I put ice... Well, first of all, you take the baby tights, or toddler tights, whatever you want to call them, and you tie the feet together, then you could put ice through the waist, and it goes down into the legs... And then you loop that over your neck and tuck it into your tri-suit and zip it up. And that worked awesome. I used that in, I think, all of my races. All I'm, of your Ironman races? Yes, all of my Ironman races. Yeah, that worked really well because there was always plenty of ice because the organizers knew it was going to be hot. And it was just a matter of letting the volunteers know I wanted ice. <laughs> and so... When the ice would melt, I've got that cold water running down my torso, down toward my groin and my legs. And then when all the ice was melted, i take the tights off my head at an aid station and say, give, give, give me some ice. <laughs> fill up, fill up my baby, my fill baby, her up. fill up my baby pantyhose. <laughs> hey, it worked. You have to wonder what the cashier's thinking when a... 40-something-year-old man without a baby comes through and buys baby pantyhose tights. <laughs> Taking care of the baby. <laughs> what baby? Or preparing for a hot Ironman. <laughs> but yeah, that was a, a good way of keeping the core body temperature down because I had that ice 
right on my chest. And with the tri-suit zipped up, it wasn't bouncing around. It was just, it, it, anyway, it worked out really well. But sometimes you just got to be creative. That was creative. I remember a time recently, it was last year, it was when I was preparing for Gulf Coast, which was in Biloxi, Mississippi. So I was expecting it to be warmer than it was in Kentucky in December. And a buddy of mine, Steve, was running with me. And I had on a turtleneck and a long sleeve technical shirt and a hoodie (laughs) and pants. I'm glad you're wearing pants. And gloves and a sock hat. And I think my buddy was in shorts and a long sleeve shirt. And I overdid it that day. I, I ended up shedding some clothes because I was getting uncomfortable in the second half of a 20 mile run. And I was doing all the right things as far as hydration. I was following my race plan. I was taking in electrolytes. I wasn't pouring any water on my head because I didn't really want to get water all over my hoodie and my sock cap. But when I did shed all those clothes, I mean, they were just wringing wet from sweat. So you can't overdo it when you're trying to heat train. And same thing with the time in the sauna. You really want to work your way up on that. And I always had a sports drink with me when I was in there just to keep the electrolytes in the system. Speaking of sports drinks, I think it's very important to know what hydration works well for you, especially as the temperature rises. Like it's important to stay hydrated all the time, but I think it's important for athletes, especially in the heat, to know what products are gonna work well and digest well and hydrate well with their system. Definitely. And it's going to be different for each person. And that's why we encourage people to do a race plan is to you know, write down what you're trying. If it works, great. Stick with it. If it doesn't work, try something else. Write it down and just figure out what works for you. And for me, that was a long process. Like just straight plain water doesn't work well for me. But then neither do a lot of the sports drinks that are very high concentrations of certain types of sugars and carbs so i do think it's important to find out what hydration will get into your system the best yeah because the hotter it is the more picky my stomach becomes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i remember one of my go-to drinks for my most recent ironman events was a mixture not a mixture alternating Gatorade and flat Coke. (laughs) And I haven't drank Cokes for 30 years, maybe. But I'll tell you what, when you're in the middle of an Ironman marathon and you've been drinking sugary sports drinks for the last, let's say, seven hours, six hours, seven hours, that flat Coke just tastes out of this world. And it does give you just a little bit of a kick Maybe it's because of the, the, the taste, or maybe it's the caffeine, but I think part of it is just a little variety. And when I say variety, I don't mean try something new on race day. I mean, try it in practice, figure out if it works, and you've got two fuels in your arsenal that you're planning on using on race day, and that's what you execute. 
When's the last time you've had a Coke? With the exception of the flat Coke that you encouraged me to utilize at Ironman Louisville, my last Coke, and it was Diet Coke, was December 31st, 2009. Well, I'm impressed you actually remember the day. It was my New Year's resolution for 2010. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I knew it had been a long time. So you stopped drinking Cokes before I did? I thought it I thought it had been a lot longer than that. Neither one of us were ever huge. And we're saying Coke, but I guess we mean carbonated beverage. Yeah. I remember when we were early in our marriage that we would have ginger ale in the refrigerator. I think that's when I was pregnant and sick. I really liked it, too. <laughs> So maybe I was it, not a fan. Maybe it hadn't been 30 years, but it's been a long time. It's been a while. So we've talked about some of the ways I've tried to prepare for training in the heat. Just a couple other ideas that we didn't talk about would be training in a confined environment. And if you're training for a really hot event, you could turn on a, a heater in that space. Or you could turn your fan off in your pain cave when you're riding Zwift or on your treadmill. You could also hop in the hot tub at your local health club after a swim, a bike, or a run. But before you try any of those techniques, just consider the risk of overheating and have a plan to properly hydrate. It's always good to have a non-caffeinated sports drink with you and just pay attention to how your body reacts. If you start experiencing signs of heat illnesses, get to a cooler environment and continue drinking non-caffeinated sports drinks. And if it gets really bad, you'll want uh, to put some ice on yourself to cool your body down. But you always want to start off something new in small doses and increase time as you acclimate. And be realistic about your race day conditions. Don't overdo it with the heat training. Your safety is much more important than your performance. I think another thing to bring up too, we're talking specifically about how to acclimate and train if you're pretty confident that your race day is going to be hot. And one of the things that I know you did is we went out there early. Yeah, and I think that was a big advantage by going there and spending those four or five days in advance getting acclimated. If I'm remembering correctly, you heat acclimated for four or five days, but then the 24 to 36 hours before the race, you actually did more of staying in the air conditioning and getting your body cool and recovering. So you acclimated your body, but then you didn't go into the race already exhausted and hot. Right. When I was going down to Ironman, Texas, I drove down a week early, and then you and Jacob and Shelby flew down a little bit later. But the hotel that I stayed at had a steam room, and that's really unusual. So I would do my bike rides and my runs, and then I would spend a little bit of time in that steam room, and I was guzzling the sports drink. But like you're saying, I think it was at least 48 hours before the race, I cut out all the heat training and really focused on fueling, hydrating, just topping off the tank. Right, and you want to start the race with your engine as cool as possible. It's going to be a hot day. Oh, yeah. So we talked a little bit about training. So let's talk about racing in the heat. Some good ways to 
help yourself on race day is to wear sunglasses, sunscreen, and a light-colored hat or light-colored helmet on the bike. And it's a good idea to pour water in your hat and on your shoulders at the aid stations. And if ice is available, put ice in the hat and in your tight-fitting tri-suit or in your pantyhose if you, that's what you have. <laughs> Cold, wet sponges are often available, and they're great under the shoulders of your tri-suit. It's important for you to stick with your nutrition and hydration plan by carrying what you need so that you can drink as frequently as you want rather than having to wait for the aid stations. And then use the aid stations to refill. And we typically encourage athletes to hit all the tangents. Well, if it's a hot race, that may not be the best idea. Find the shade. Go from shade to shade. But if you take steps to prepare for the heat, you can perform better and avoid those horrible situations where you're unable to stand, barely able to walk. But even with these tips for training and racing, just listen to your body and be safe. Remember, it takes four or five days to acclimate. If at any time you begin suffering from heat illness, rest at an aid station in the shade and then seek medical assistance if necessary. One other aspect I want to mention is a lot of us are running as the summer months are approaching and it's not because we're preparing for a race that's going to be hot. Like we may not have a race until November, yet we have June, July, August, the hot months in which we need to train. And I think you also have to be careful while your goal isn't to acclimate, to perform well in heat. You want to make sure you're doing things to keep your body cool and safe during the summer months. And as I mentioned earlier, for me, the best way to do that is to get up before the sun's up and try to run when it's much cooler or bike when it's much cooler. But it's also important, even if you're not trying to heat acclimate for a race, to carry that hydration and take good care of yourself in the heat. Yeah, and that reminds me of some advice that we gave to some of our athletes who were struggling with the heat. So we're talking about acclimating, but again, you need to take baby steps. Some of the advice we gave was to train in the shade, even if that means you're doing loops back and forth as your body is getting adjusted to a higher temperature. And then also, like you're saying, carry fluid. But another idea is to fill a bottle, water bottle, halfway full and freeze it overnight and then carry that in one of your hands. And so that's gonna make that hand really cold and you can pass it from one hand to the other. But then as the water melts, it'll feel really nice pouring that on your head. Yeah, and on a really hot day, it won't take long for that water to warm up, which brings me to another point is oftentimes in the summer when we have a long bike ride or a long run, we will do loops and we'll have a cooler available so that we can get some cold fluid and ice occasionally. Yes, that's correct. It's a good idea. I know one summer I was training in the heat for a marathon and I did all of my runs before work and it was mostly still dark like that early in the morning but for whatever reason something came up one morning and I didn't run and so I waited and I ran after work 
and it was a heat index well over 100 and my pace for the effort was just so much slower and you just have to adjust like you have to realize that your body's still doing the work and still getting fitness gains even though your paces may not reflect what you think would be necessary and while i was researching this podcast topic i found a couple of calculators online that try to estimate your pace based on temperature and there was so much variance between the two calculators i found you know i don't think anybody really has a set formula on what that could be but to your point the heat is going to slow you down so just don't push yourself on an easy day to run what you you would normally run it's an easy pace in the cold weather Mm -hmm. Because then your easy run ends up being a hard run, and you miss the point of your easy run. Well, in 2019, when we were training, Suzanne and Bethany and I were training for the July Jack and Jill downhill. It was going to be in Seattle, which is north of where we are, and going to be much cooler, but we were training through the summer. So there were many days that my tempo efforts were not yielding a pace that was giving me any confidence that I would be able to do well in that race, but I just had to keep reminding myself that that same effort was going to yield better paces when I got to Seattle, and it, it did. So you are building fitness even if the efforts aren't giving you the pace you would expect in the heat, and that's why we're very careful what we ask our athletes to do as far as specific paces because... And we do, once we get to know our athletes, we will occasionally give them some pace goals. But we try to be careful because we don't want them overworking to hit a pace that's not going to be appropriate for a 100 degree heat index. Yeah. So the heart rate or the perceived effort are going to be much more reliable than a pace on a really hot day. So before we close, I wanted to just talk about some of the symptoms of a heat illness. So it could be nausea or dizziness or headaches, a rapid heart rate, or just a overwhelming sense of fatigue or or weakness, or you might get goosebumps or chills. And then when it gets really serious, like the athletes we previously talked about, you may become confused and disoriented. So we always like to share a scripture with our audience on these podcasts. So how about John chapter 4? Verse 13 and 14, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and Jesus says, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So we've talked a lot about preparing for the heat, and staying hydrated. And the thought that just came to me was, when it comes to eternal life, we want to stay away from the heat. And the Holy Spirit, who is our comforter, that was provided after Jesus' resurrection, just fills us up and is refreshing continually, like having an infinite supply of water eternal quenching of the thirst. Amen to that. So if you'd like to be part of the conversation, reach out to us on Facebook, RYR Endurance Team, 
If you have questions for us or comments or if you have podcast topics, we'd love to interact with you. Or if you're looking for a coach, email us. We'd love to hear from you. RYRcoach at gmail.com. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.